Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gold Creek, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. So in 2007... It was January 12, 2007, a world-renowned violinist happened to put on a ball cap at around 7 in the morning and stand at the entrance of the metro station in Washington, D.C. And he took out a violin that cost several hundred thousands of dollars. It was a 300-year-old violin. And Joshua Bell stuck it to his chin, and he began to play like this. Okay, that's not really how he played, but I just wanted to see if you'd think that I could play. He played for 43 minutes the same music he would play at the Metropolitan in D.C., where people would dress up very nicely, and they would spend hundreds of dollars to buy a ticket to come and listen to him play. And yet for those 43 minutes in the subway... Almost 1,100 people, I believe it was 1,093 people, walked by, and there were seven who stopped to listen. The good news is he did make a little money. He had his case set up in front of him, and he happened to make just about $33 for his 43 minutes of playing. This was set up by the Washington Post as an experiment, and what they thought would happen actually happened. People were so busy, they were so consumed with what they needed to do and wanted to do that they ignored the beauty that was right before them. And we don't know if it was because they thought it was just another violinist. We don't know if they simply had other things on their mind. We don't know their motivations. All we know is there were only seven who stopped to pay any attention whatsoever. And would you want to guess what the demographic of the seven, the primary demographic of the seven who stopped They were children. The children stopped to listen. What I want you to leave with today, first off, is this. I want you to leave here today with a keen awareness that there is beauty all around you. I want you to open your eyes to see that beauty is something for us to behold and something for us to take pleasure in. That beauty is something that God has given to us as a gift. And he's given us receptors to receive this beauty. He's given us eyes. He's given us ears. He's given us a nose, and the nose is connected to the mouth. And the mouth, inside the mouth, there's a tongue. And in the tongue, there are taste buds. And there are, I believe, four different zones of taste. He's given us receptors inside of our fingers and on our body to where we can feel, touch, and sense things. And so all of these senses were not a mistake to you. They were given to you by God when He formed you in your mother's womb. He built you with the ability to experience beauty that comes from Him. Because at the end of the day, the purpose of beauty is not pleasure. Pleasure is an intermediate step. The purpose of beauty is to reveal the glory of God. 
And if we just keep going all about our day and we forget to stop and look, let's say it this way, if God bless you, if we stop to if we forget to stop and smell the roses, we're going to miss out on some of the glory of God. Open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 19. I find myself frequently quoting this passage, although I very rarely actually go to the passage. I just usually quote it. But Psalms 19 gives us the, the beginning point or the, 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 the first way that we see the, the glory of God. And so glory is one of those things that I've always had a difficult time trying to describe. I mean, if, if I say, hey, describe glory, what are you going to do? You're like, uh, it's five letters in a word. I mean, glory, it's kind of indescribable. It's kind of one of those things where you just know it when you see it. Here's the best way I can think of to define glory, the glory of God. The glory of God is the beauty of God. But it's not the physical beauty of God. It's the beauty of His essence, the beauty of His character, the beauty of His nature. So when we talk about the glory of God, we are talking about the all-encompassing beauty of the character and the person of God. Now, obviously, right there you have to realize that no, no thing that we do on this earth could possibly be enough to fully describe and declare the glory of God. I mean, after all, words just fall short. Songs fall short. We give it our best shot, and, and they help point us to the fullness of God's glory. But we can't fully grasp it until one day we will stand before Him face to face, and our eyes will be, be fully open, and our senses will be fully alive, and we will experience the fullness of God's glory face to face. And that is why when we stand before Him, we are going to fall down and the first thing we will do is worship. That is why up in the heavenlies, the angels sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. That is why all of creation points to the glory or the beauty of the essence of the character of God. In Psalm 19, starting in verse 1, the scripture says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day, and I'm going to add a few, after day, after day, after Groundhog Day, after day, after day, they pour out speech night after night, after night, after night, after night, they communicate knowledge. But there is no speech and there are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. What this psalm is telling us is that God has written into the fabric of the universe a, a dim reflection of His own beauty. He's given it to us as a gift. He has said to us, I don't want you, my creation, to be unaware of who it is that I who, of, of who is your father. I don't want you to be unaware of who it is who formed you and who created you. I'm going to give you senses as receptors, and then I'm going to, going to build a world in which all of your senses can be, be uh, uh, excited and moved and magnified so you can experience my goodness albeit a, a faint hint, a taste, a 
appetizer of my goodness so that you will long for me more than you long for anything else. The reason we need to be awakened to the beauty around us is because the beauty around us is a direct reflection of God. And if we're able to see it, that's why children have the ability to see things as beautiful and just just stop. Because they don't have any place to be. They don't have any responsibility. They They don't have things that they have to do. They just stop and they go, man, this is good. That's exactly why Jesus said, unless you become like one of these children, you can't have a part of the kingdom of God. Because as adults, we sometimes get so preoccupied with what we think is important. We can look at a child and the child has no idea the pressure and the stress. And Jesus says, be like them. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. Let's just, let's just examine for just a moment what he made. I was flipping through my phone last night, and I was going to put them on the screen, but I realized that even as I looked at the pictures, my mind goes back to the true experience of taking the picture, and the picture just can't do it justice. The picture, I look at it and I go, oh, that, that's not nearly good enough. I mean, it was awesome. What I've discovered is that as I get old, I'm taking pictures of sunsets. I mean, have you noticed that? Like, like I'm flipping through sunset, sunset, sunset. And here's the cool part. No sunset is ever the same. Even though the sun sets in the same direction every single night, even though the colors are, have, have, a, have a spectrum that they follow, the clouds aren't exactly the same. The trees aren't exactly the same. The birds aren't exactly the same. The, the density of the air is not exactly the same. And so if we notice these things, we can say every single night, isn't our God awesome? And that's why the Bible says that in the morning, His mercies are new every single morning. You were made to discover and to view and to find pleasure in the beauty of creation so that your hearts could instantly, daily, hour by hour, turn towards the beauty of our Father. You were made for this. But it's not just what you see in creation, although we could talk about beauty in the sunset. We could also talk about beauty on the beach. I know a handful of you at least like to walk along the beach and pick up seashells. One thing you will never see, this is kind of a joke in my house, if I ever needed to do one of those ads and, you know, find a husband or find a wife or what, you know, if I ever needed to do one of those dating sites, you would never find in my profile enjoys long walks on the beach. It'll never be there, right? You'll probably find enjoys long sits in a tree. That's what you'll find. But here's the thing. I I don't like walking on the beach, but I love the beauty of it. I love to be in a boat and look at the clarity of the water when it's 15 feet deep and you can see a seashell on the bottom. And I love to see the shimmer in the, in the water. And if you actually go out at night and you go underwater with a light, you can see this, I think it's called luminescence. It's this glowing, sparkly stuff. And it, it will put you in a trance-like, mesmerizing state where it can be kind of dangerous because you're going, I'm in awe. And all of this stuff is right in our back door. But that's just, that's just here. That's just on the sky. Go to the mountains. If you look and you see the snow on the top and then you see the different color changes as you go down. Or you can go to the desert. There's beauty even in the desert where the only thing living are the lizards and the cactus. And yet there's a strange sense of beauty to it. You can even find beauty if you're a Cajun in the swamp. Right? 
I happen to find beauty in a swamp. The truth is, if you were to ask me what is my favorite place on earth, I could tell you some of the places I love to go, but I couldn't tell you my favorite because they are all beautiful. But that's just, that's just the big stuff. What about the, what about the smaller stuff? What about if you were to go downtown Pensacola right now and you were to walk through Palafox? You would begin to smell. If you were down by the bodacious olive, you might be smelling the, the roasted coffee. And that would bring you this sense of longing and desire to have a hot steaming cup of coffee with a little bit of half and half in it to just drink. And as you drank it, you would not only smell it, but you would taste it, and then you would feel it warming up your cold body. You want a cup of coffee now, don't you? Me too. But if you walk just a little bit further, you, hmm, can you smell the pizza? Can you smell it? Huh? I can smell it. You can smell the bread rising, and you can smell the cheese. Oh, and you can also hear the laughter and you can also feel the breeze because the buildings are creating a va like a wind tunnel and it comes down and you can see the lights that they put up for Christmas. Can you, can you, are you walking with me on this? All of these things God gave you, He built inside of you so that when you smell the pizza, you say, God is awesome. And pizza is too. You say, well, no, 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 you're just making this up. No, no. Why would God give you the ability to smell it if he didn't want you to find pleasure in it? And every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above. He created these things so that you could find pleasure and that pleasure would remind you of his goodness. So all of these things in our bodies we've been given. We've been given smell. We've been given sight. We've been given ears. You know, I've, I, I kind of play this game with myself sometimes. If I had to lose one of my senses, which one would I want to lose? You ever play that game? Just kind of, not really a game, but you ever ask those, those philosophical questions? I, 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 don't, I, I don't know which one I would want to lose. Because if I lose my sight, the worst part, I couldn't read. I love to read, not just the Scripture. I love to read anything I can read. If I couldn't read, man, I would, I'd, it'd be tough. And I hate people reading to me, so that's even worse, right? I mean, I really, really don't like people reading to me. I don't know why, I just don't. But if I have, I, but what about, what about my smell? Would I want to lose my smell? If you all had COVID and lost your smell, how horrible was that? Actually, it's kind of nice if you have young teenagers in the house. That's, that's a good thing. You're like, you, you stink, I know, but I don't smell you at all. Every 13-year-old boy smells like a horse, I'm just saying, Right? And then eventually you grow out of it. It's just part of growing up. <laughs> Sorry, if you're a 13-year-old boy, I apologize. I didn't mean to offend you, but I was there too. Um, what about, what about your, your ears? I couldn't imagine losing my hearing. I really couldn't. Now, I, I want to be respectful and say, I know that people live without these senses. And, 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 I, and I know that that is... That is a difficult thing, and I know that your body tends to compensate in other ways for it, but could you imagine not being able to hear music? Could you imagine to be able, just standing there and just watching the voices? And it's like pushing mute on a movie, but there's no subtitles. You see it, but you don't hear it, and because you don't hear it, 
it doesn't make all that much sense. Speaking of hearing, did you know that music is a gift from God? Music has been built in the fabric of the universe. Did you know that elephants communicate to each other on a frequency that we cannot hear, but they can, it's this low rumble, right? And they communicate to each other with this low rumble. And that rumble happens to be a sound wave. A sound wave basically is just vibrations at different frequencies from point A to point B. How many times it, it wobbles, essentially, will determine what tone or what, uh, what note that you're going to hear or you're going to express. But I want you to, again, go back to the way God built us. He built us with the ability to make these wobbles and to receive these wobbles, starting with your vocal cords. Your vocal cords basically vibrate as air passes through them. And you have a head that was built to be a sounding board, just like the sounding board on a piano. It hits the sounding board, and it reverberates through your head, and then it comes out of your nose, and it comes out of your mouth, and it's, it's, it, it, it's traveling through the air as vibrations. And then the person listening has ears that have different parts and pieces that catch the vibrations and then they vibrate and then they send a signal to your brain. Is you confused? Are you confused yet? How you we speak and sing and we hear. The only reason I'm saying that is because it is incredibly complex. And yet God said, I am going to form you with the ability to create and to receive beauty. And yet we so often despise it as if it were just junk or as if it were just leftovers or waste. I want you to never listen to a song again the same way. I want you to listen to every single song and imagine all of the different parts and pieces. And I want you to listen to the movements of the bass and of the drums and of the voices. And I want you to pick out the harmonies and I want you to experience the pleasure of this creation, and I want it to point your heart to the goodness and then to the beauty of God. In fact, it's funny because almost all music that's really music can be beautiful. And I say that's really music because in order to create music, you actually have to have a melody, a harmony, and rhythm. You put those things together and you have music. If you go back to the old school composers like Bach and Beethoven and Mozart, they were playing with the different rules of music. There were different triads and there were different chord structures that they would, they would suspend and, and, and resolve. And it, and it would be to the, to the point where you could listen to it and just go, eh. Or you could really listen to it and you could see all of the stuff that's going on. One of the things that I hope I taught my children is to appreciate old classical music. By the way, how many of y'all like classical music? Can I see your hands? There's a reason it's called classical. It is highly complex and yet childishly simple. It's amazing. Did you know that the very universe itself is music? If you go out into the outer cosmos... And if you had the ability to listen, which you don't with your ears, but if you use super sensitive equipment, you could hear the cosmos vibrating in this 
chorus, and I think that what it's saying or what, what, what it's doing is proclaiming the goodness and the glory and the beauty of our God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the works of His hands. You are the culmination of the works of His hands. There's a reason that mankind was made on the sixth day. Think about it. God made the heavens and the earth one day. He made the moon, stars, uh, the sun. Uh, or the, he, he made the, 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 the water, the fish, the animals. And on the last day before He rested, He said, Now I've made everything suitable. I've made everything ready. I've, I've put my glory on display through all of these things, a giraffe. We should never look at a giraffe and go, oh, just a giraffe. We should look at a giraffe with wonder and say, just why does he have a long neck? And why do his spots go like that? And why are his legs built like that? And look how giant his hooves are. And his tail, isn't that strange? Each one of these was built for a specific purpose and for a specific reason. But on the sixth day, the Bible says that he made you and me. He made, well, he made mankind. Turn your will in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. Why did he make us? He made us for his glory and to display his glory. So he made us for his own beauty, and he made us to repeat or to create the picture of his beauty. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7 says this, Everyone who bears my name and is, and, and is created for my glory, I have formed them indeed, I have made them. It's this personal attention that God says, I have formed you and I've created you in my own image. In other words, you reflect the glory of God in who you are. Now granted, because of sin, you aren't a complete reflection, but you have the fingerprint or the traces of God in you because that's the way God made you. So here's the cool part. He made you for the purpose and he gave you the ability to create beauty so that your creation could not only point your own heart back to God, but it could point others back to God. If you go to the Sistine Chapel and you look up on the ceiling, what do you see? You see this painting. Boy, what a crick in the neck that would have been, right? You, you see this beautiful painting. If you go back and you look at the old school windows of a cathedral. If you go and you, you see monuments that were built, stones that were cut. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. And we talk a lot about art like this, but it's not just art, but it's music. And it's not just music, but it's skill. You know what I found? The older I get, the more mesmerized I am at watching people who are really good at stuff that no human should be able to do. Like, do you ever watch these extreme sports, right? And do you ever see them ride a bicycle, hit a jump, and do like 12 flips in the air, but not just like a single directional flip? They do this way, then they do this way, then they do this way, and then they land it, and you're going, that's unhuman. That's like not supposed to happen. Or you ever see somebody ride a skateboard and hit a ramp and go 40 feet up in the air? 
and then come down and land it and not kill themselves? When I look at that stuff, I'm like, how is that possible? How do you do that? And have you ever seen how they do it? And they sometimes don't even touch the skateboard. The skateboard like stays on their feet. Do you ever wonder, do they have glue there? Maybe some suction or something on their feet? Or have you seen, never seen anybody who can juggle? Have you ever seen anybody who can bend? And they like, I'm not going to do it for you, don't worry. But they're standing like this, and they bend all the way around and look through their legs, and they're like this. You ever seen that happen? That's a little bit weird, i got to be honest. It freaks me out. But I watch it, and I'm like, whoa. You know what those things should do? What are you laughing at? I know, no, I don't even want to know. I don't, I don't even want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know, but the glory of God probably is revealed a little. You don't think about these things? Does anybody think about this stuff but me? I want you to think about this stuff, and here's why. When you see that weird dude doing some strange things, you look at that and you say, that is a superhuman skill. I want you to jump past that too. I'm enjoying seeing this. I'm celebrating the fact that this is a superhuman skill. And then I want you to move one more step and say, our God is an awesome God that he could create this kind of stuff in the heart of man. Every painting you see, I want you to move all the way past the beauty too. This reveals the beauty of God our Father. Every sunset that you see, every song that you hear, I want your conscience to always be echoing the glory of God. Here's why. Because it is but a dim reflection of the true glory of God. I look at life as a preparation time for all of eternity. Because there's going to be a day when my scales will be pulled off, when my eyes will be open, when my mind will be able to conceive, because now, the Bible says, no, mind, uh, no eyes can see, no ears have heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared, what God has made. We only see through a dim reflection, but one day we will be face to face with Him, and we are going to be so in awe that it's going to blow us away. Somebody might say, what are you going to do for all of eternity? You ever been to a place so beautiful you didn't need to do anything because being there was enough? You ever been to a place that was so magnificent you never wanted to leave? That is what it will be like when you step into the presence of Jesus if you know Jesus. See, with all of the beauty around us, humans being humans, we've, we've done something. We've perverted what God has made. In Romans chapter 1, we find out what the heart of man has done. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 tells us this. For God's invisible attributes... Listen to the words here. His invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power. Okay, invisible attributes. That means he has attributes that we can't touch, that we can't see, but they are there nonetheless. He has 
and, and, and those attributes that we can't touch or see are, first, His eternal power. Eternal means no beginning and no end. It is the all-powerful of all-powerful. And it's eternal power. So the old question, can God make a rock so big you can't lift it up? The answer is, that's a dumb question. Here's why, by the way. Because you're asking God to limit His infiniteness so that He can do something finite, and God doesn't do that. So no, because His power is infinite. His power is eternal. A rock is temporary. A rock is finite. Does that make sense? But we know that His eternal power, we also know uh, His divine nature. How do you describe divine divine nature? I mean, it's this nature that is not earthly. It's this not. He's not like you and me. He's God. If we use just the omni words, the omnipresent, He's everywhere all the time. He's omniscient or omniscient, which means He knows all things at all times and He hears all of us praying at the same time. And it's not gibberish. It's clear and it's concise. And He can go, yes, I hear that prayer. And yes, I hear that prayer. Yes, I hear that prayer. Yes, I hear that sorrow. Yes, I hear that groaning. Yes, I hear that frustration. Yes, I hear that anger. And He knows us each individually. And not just, not just the prayers, but He knows what we even can't pray. That is the God that we're talking about. He says that these things have been seen since the creation of the world, being understood through, here it is, through what has been made. But here's the problem. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became Fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. In other words, mankind has been so good about taking the beauty of God and twisting it and saying, look what we've done. See, that's the danger in beauty. The danger in beauty is to shortchange the purpose of it. And say, oh, what an amazing sky. The explosion created such an amazing sky. Oh, how intricate that giraffe. I'm glad that he evolved from the amoeba. And the skill of man. I'm sure glad monkeys didn't stay monkeys. I'm so glad that they evolved into doing all of the things that they can do now because wouldn't the world be boring if we were all just monkeys? And of course, that's kind of tongue-in-cheek because that's what man does. They steal the glory from God and they place it squarely into the hands of man. They take the immortal God and they make it into the hands of finite men and that always leaves us wanting. Because here's the truth. Everything on earth that is beautiful will decay. Let me prove it. Not gonna like me. Go look in the mirror. When I go into somebody's house, 
I oftentimes will look at their pictures on their mantle and I will see these beautiful young married couples. And then I'll look at the married couple on the couch and I'll go, you were beautiful. I wouldn't say that out loud. But, 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 but that's, actually, that's actually, I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean that in a truthful way going, my goodness, you were an absolute beautiful couple. But here's the thing. It's impossible for beauty to remain with decay. Your body is going to change. You're going to get lumps in places that you didn't think you had lumps. You're going to get scars in places that remind you of something that happened in the past. You're going to have things that grow on your face, and you're going to have hair that decides to take a vacation permanently. And then you're going to have hair that wants to transplant to places that ain't supposed to be, right? I mean, all these things happen, and you look in the mirror and you say, beauty really is fleeting. But here, here's what I think the lesson in that is. When I look at a couple who's been married 60 years, and I was thinking this last, I don't know if I said it out loud or not, Shannon, but we've been married 27 years. Is that right? Okay, let's say, let's say 30. So we've been married almost 30 years. I was thinking, okay, because I was doing the math. Okay, here's what I was thinking. When I'm 50, we'll have been married 30 years. When I'm 80, we'll have been married 60 years. If we make it to 90, we will be married 70 years. That's a scary thought for her. But you know what I know about people married 60 years? They look at each other. They say, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen still. That's not true. In the outward beauty, it is absolutely true in the relationship. Because the beauty has gone from the outside to the inside. And here's the point. We need to recognize that the beauty of the world is fading and we need to learn to shift our attention from that which is beautiful on earth to that which is beautiful in eternity. The flowers wither or the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord remains firm forever. The danger of man is to steal the beauty for themselves, to claim that they created it. But here's what God has done. One more passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's what God has done. God has given us the perfect picture of His own glory through His Son. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a direct reflection of the glory of God. Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible tells us in Colossians, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, right? So we see Jesus, we see the Father. He's given us His Son, and then His Son has given us His Spirit. Think about this. God has placed His own glory inside of us. Because if God lives in us, 
the Spirit of God is at work in us, which means, and the Spirit of God cannot separate the glory of God, and so the glory of God is being revealed in us and through us. And so He has given us this treasure, verse 7, in jars of clay. A jar of clay is, a, is, a, is an earthenware piece of, of, uh, of pottery that that, that is, that is kind of lowly. It's not for the rich and famous. It's just the everyday stuff that people would use to eat and to bathe and things like that. And it's fragile. These jars of clay is what God has entrusted or where God has entrusted His glory, right? He's put it inside of us through His Spirit. And then He said, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We are struck down, but are not destroyed. In other words, when God puts His Spirit inside of you, when His glory is inside of you, He expects you to reveal that glory to others and trust that He will hold you and keep you until the day that He brings you to Himself. So whatever you're facing... You can trust that God will hold you. The Bible, or not the Bible, but we like to say God never gives you more than you can handle. That's a lie. God often gives us more than we can handle because He's the one who's handling it. He gives us more that we can handle so that we'll turn our eyes to Him and say, God, help. I need you. I am desperate. And God says, yes, you are, but I am God. And you can know that you can trust me, but just opening up your eyes and looking at all that I've made. If I can do that in a day, I can certainly hold you through whatever it is you're dealing with and for whatever it is you're going through. So this message is all about you and I recognizing the glory of God in the beauty of what He's made and in the beauty of what others make. Even those who are not Christ followers. You know, sometimes we have this bad habit of, of discounting people who weren't followers of Jesus. But do you know that people who don't follow Jesus can still reflect the goodness of God sometimes? Maybe even oftentimes. It doesn't mean they're no Jesus. It just means that God is still at work all over the earth. In fact, one of the ways that I've seen that, Frederick Nietzsche. You know who Nietzsche is? He was a philosopher back in the 1800s. He's the guy who said, God is dead. So I do not follow Nietzsche. I don't think he was wise when it came to his understanding of who God was, but he did say something that I, I absolutely love. Nietzsche said these words. He said, without music, the world would be a mistake. That's pretty powerful. Imagine a world without music. I don't know if I'd want to live in that world. I believe eternally we'll have plenty of music. I think God's just getting us warmed up. La, 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 la. I think, I think he's just getting us started. So Nietzsche said that. Does that mean that we can't believe it because he had some skewed views of God? No. Here's what we do. We take what is good and true and noble and right, and we hold that and we give praise to God for that, but then we recognize the stuff that is not true. We recognize the stuff that is false, or we recognize the stuff that is misleading. We've got to get to the point where we stop 
this is a mini-sermon. We stop labeling people based on one part of their life and discounting the whole person. If you can get this, if you can do this, you will be a mature person. If you can love a person in spite of themselves, you will have found a different kind of maturity than most human beings ever find. So I have a good news for you. I'm going to give you a list of all the people you can despise, okay? So get a piece of paper and pen. I'm going to help you make this list, right? You are allowed to despise. You are allowed to hate. You are allowed to set aside as worthless all of the people that God sees that way. Okay? Go ahead and write your list. Matter of fact, you can be unkind to these people as well. So go ahead and write your list. All the people that, that God is unkind to, go, I don't see anybody writing. You know what that means? That means we all have some work to do, right? See, we were doing good to that point. Now, now you want something from me. But that's okay. Because we have this treasure in clay pots. In other words, when we can't do it, God will through us. So here's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to one day standing before God the Father and in listening to His Son say, Father, He's with me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where there are no lights, there is no sun, there's no moon, because all of the light we need is emanating from the throne of God. I'm looking forward to the day where the music is so expressive and so full and so beautiful that I don't need to do anything. I just want to be there. And a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is not enough. Again, no eye has seen, no mind, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love Him. So do you see beauty? Will you, will you start seeing beauty? See beauty in people, see beauty in creation, see beauty everywhere. Oh, and by the way, make sure you create beauty. That's a gift to God. Will you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? If you're here today and you've not ever trusted Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do so. If you're watching by way of television or Facebook and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do so. The Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of your works. Nothing you could ever do will earn God's love or salvation, and you, you, can't, you can't buy it. You can't find it anywhere except for through repentance and faith. So will you trust in Jesus now? This morning, if you're here and you, you haven't been very attuned to the beauty that God has made, would you commit to God that you're just going to stop, <laughs> literally, and smell the roses? This morning, if you're struggling with something and you just don't know what to do about it, I want to invite you to bring it to the throne of God. Right where you are, just pray and ask God, God, I need help with this thing. I desperately need help.
This morning, if you don't have a love for God's word, I want to invite you to ask God, God, give me a hunger and a thirst for your word. Will you stand? And as you stand, I just want you to listen to the music, sing this song inside of your heart. Amazing grace. If you need to make some sort of decision, you feel free to do that. chains are gone. I've been set free. God, thank you so much that your amazing grace has lavishly been poured upon us. But Father, you also give us a warning that how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So Lord, the offer is there, but it's not an eternal offer. Lord, if we reject you, then we'll have to deal with our own sin with our own life. And Father, we know that that's not possible. So Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. I pray that as we prepare to leave today, you would remind us of how good you are. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. God's people said, amen. Church at